verses 5 to 15. It'll be on the screen. And it's also on page 980 of uh, your Blue Pew Bible. So that's Matthew 6 in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount on prayer. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is the word of the Lord. Well, lovely to see you all this morning. I'm glad to see you're all manfully and wisely avoiding all the temptations of a bank holiday weekend. Now, the Guinness Book of Records is a book full of the biggest and the greatest of everything. And if there was an entry which listed the greatest prayer, I guess this would be it, the Lord's Prayer. Probably a considerable proportion of our population know it off by heart. And of those that don't, a number will recognise it from their days at school. But we have to say it's a difficult prayer to understand. There appear to be many contradictions within it. And even though we pray it regularly, exactly what are we praying for? Jesus in that introduction says, here is a form of prayer that you can pray privately, and yet we use it as a public prayer. Jesus says, pray that God's name is hallowed or made holy, but isn't God's name holy anyway? Jesus says, pray that the kingdom will come, but doesn't God reign over everything? Jesus says, Ask God to forgive us in the same way that we forgive other people. Isn't that a gospel of works? We pray, God, lead us not into temptation. Can a holy God lead us to temptation? It's confusing. We're not alone. I was talking to Anita yesterday morning, and she tells us that there are some interesting theological debates going on in Jigsaw at the moment. Apparently, David Buchanan is wondering whether Joe is God. (laughs) Luca Fellows doesn't think so, because from his experience at Spring Harvest, God lives in Butlins. (laughs) 
You know, things can be difficult to understand at any age. And on the surface of it, the Lord's Prayer seems to pose us more contradictions and questions than it answers. But I hope as we skim through it this morning, we'll understand just a little bit more. And I want to start this morning with what I see to be the main point of the prayer. And it's this one word, hallowed. Now, hallowed is a word we don't use very often, but it's a word which means sanctified. It's a word from which we get the word saint. Perhaps we're more familiar with it uh, in terms used like Halloween, the eve of All Hallows Day, of All Saints Day. But God's name is hallowed anyway. God's name is sanctified. God's name is holy. So Jesus can't be teaching us to pray that God's name be made holy because it is already. Well, is he asking that we regard God's name as holy? Well, I don't think so, because even the devil, we're told by scriptures, regards God as holy. So what does hallowed be your name mean? Now, I think I can best describe it in this way, and I want you to think of the word treasure. God, we want to treasure your name. What is treasure? Treasure is something which is valuable. Lord, we want your name to be valuable to us. We want to love your name. We want to regard your name highly. We want to treasure it above all else. Hallowed be your name. Lord, we want to treasure your name. Now, about 15 years ago, I was driving to work. It was about half past seven in the morning. I was on the M4. I was driving from my home in Surrey to my office in Abingdon. And I was just passing Reading services. And as I came up to Reading services, suddenly the cabin in the car filled with smoke. And I opened the windows to disperse the smoke, and all that did was fan flames, which were starting to come out from underneath the dashboard. So I pulled off immediately, stopped the car, got out, and this is the point. The very first thing I did was get my laptop out of the boot of the car and put it on the grass verge out of harm's way. And the second thing I did was then get the fire extinguisher and successfully managed to put out the fire. Now, why do I tell you that? It's because this. At that very moment, I had to decide where my treasure was. And I decided, and this was 15 years ago, laptops were a novelty, there was no cloud backup information systems. What I had was on that laptop, and I decided that that £300 worth of laptop was far more valuable to me than the £30,000 car which was going up in flames. So I demonstrated by my action where my treasure was. I valued that laptop and the information on it. Treasure is what's most important to you. Treasure is what you prioritise. Treasure is where your heart is. And so this prayer, hallowed be your name, Lord, I want your name to be the priority. I want you to be my treasure, my number one, the first thing in my heart. And that, I see, is the main point of the Lord's Prayer. And that's it. That's the main point of the prayer. Everything else is how we get to that point of God being the treasure in our life. So how does God get to be the treasure in our life? 
Well, the answer starts, first of all, in verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God becomes our treasure when we start to do his will. Now, your kingdom come is a strange phrase because God is in control of absolutely everything. Even the devil needed God's permission to go and tempt Job. The devil needed God's permission to go and sift Peter as wheat. God is absolutely all-powerful. He's in control of everything. He reigns over everything. But there's clearly a way in which he doesn't reign in the same way in our lives as he does in heaven. So how is God's will done in heaven that it isn't done in my life? Well, firstly, in heaven, God's will is perfectly obeyed. And the second thing is, it is joyfully done. Perfectly obeyed and joyfully done. So when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, we are saying as individuals and as a collective and as the wider world, Lord, we want to perfectly and joyfully do your will and then you will be my treasure. Let's just think about that for a moment. We treasure God when we do his will. It's our response to his love that puts the value in that relationship. It's when we understand his will and joyfully submit to it that we are totally satisfied and fulfilled in him. So those are the two linchpins of this prayer. We treasure God and we perfectly and joyfully do his will. And then the Lord's Prayer has three requests which enable us to do that. These are enabling requests. Requests which, if they weren't fulfilled, would stop us doing his will and treasuring him. So what are these three requests? The first is daily bread. Lord, I am trusting you to provide for all my basic needs so that I can be about your work and fulfilling your will. That's what we're praying. And notice we're praying for our daily needs. We're not praying for an annual allowance. This reminds me of the Israelites uh, being provided with manna in the wilderness. They just had enough for one day at a time. And that's what we're praying, daily bread. And we're praying for bread. Bread is the most basic necessity of life. It's not fancy. We're not praying for riches. We're not praying for luxury. We're just praying that God would undertake for our basic provisions. And when we trust God for those basic provisions, do you know what? We don't worry. And that's the point of this first request. Lord, prevent me from worrying, because if I worry, then I won't be perfectly and joyfully doing your will and won't know you as my treasure. So the first request, daily bread, is to stop us worrying. And the second request is a request for forgiveness. We're saying, Lord, will, to do your will joyfully, I want to be rid of any semblance of unforgiveness. Forgiveness is a beautiful thing. It's, it releases people. It liberates. It restores relationships. It reconciles. But unforgiveness is exactly the opposite. It makes people miserable. It embitters them. It embeds grudges. It breeds hatred. So we're praying, Father, I want to experience the joy and forgiveness of forgiving others 
and so enjoying your forgiveness too, so that my slate is clean, and therefore I can willingly and joyfully be about your work and your will, and then know you as my treasure. So the first request for daily bread takes us away from worry, and the second request for forgiveness takes us away from bitterness. And then there's this third request, which is a strange one. Lord, do not lead us into temptation. And this request is about submission to God and recognition that everything in our life belongs to him. There are two things which in a lot of people commonly act as a wedge between us and God. And the first one is money or wealth. And the second one is pain and illness. Why these temptations? Why is wealth a temptation? Well, when we want or have wealth, what we, if we don't acknowledge that it comes from God and belongs to God, we can fall into a snare that Satan sets for us. And we can start worshipping it as our idol. It becomes the thing in which we trust. It becomes the thing in which we put our security. And we become possessive of it. And it puts a wedge between us and God. We don't need God anymore because we've got our wealth. That's our security. We don't need God. So the temptation is, Lord, do not allow the things that you give me to take your place in my life. I don't want to become self-sufficient. I want to be dependent upon you. And the second wedge, the first is wealth, the second is when pain or illness comes. And if we don't acknowledge God's absolute supremacy in all things and his omnipotence in our life, then when difficulties arise, we can be tempted to blame God and blame God for not doing what we want. So rather than worshipping him, we become resentful, bitter in our hearts. Lead us not into temptation means, Lord, do not allow these wedges to come between you and I in my relationship with you. So those are three things we're praying for. Daily bread. Um, back one page. Daily bread, which stops us worrying. Forgiveness, which stops us from getting bitter. And not being led into temptation, which means we're not self-centered and dependent on ourselves. We're dependent upon God. So when we have those three things fulfilled, that allows us to put ourselves to one side and to be joyfully about God's will and to perfectly do his calling. When we do that, God becomes our treasured possession. And what I've done is I've sort of reworked the Lord's Prayer in my own language and I've reversed it, which is what's on the screen here. I don't know if with our slightly dim projector that we've got borrowed at the moment, you can see that. But on the left-hand side is the traditional version. On the right-hand side is my version. And so what I'm saying is I want to start with those three requests about what we've just been discussing. And then look how that fits into us becoming part of treasuring God. And so I put it like this. Dear Lord, in the tests of life, may I trust you completely and know you as Father. May I know joy in release and release in forgiving others and finding complete forgiveness in you. 
I trust you to provide my basic needs and therefore I won't worry. So what I want to do is I want to do your will perfectly and joyfully with the outcome that I treasure you in my heart above all else. About 20 years ago, when my younger daughter was about 14, I had a surprise which I treasure to this day. At that point, uh, every week for work, I was traveling all around Europe pretty well every day of every week. And one evening in a hotel in Madrid, late in the evening, I was unpacking my travel bag and I came across an envelope which I hadn't put in there and didn't recognize. And I opened it and inside is a card and on the front it simply says, thank you, with a teddy bear on it. And I opened it up and inside it reads, Dad, thank you for all the hard work that you put into our family every day. It doesn't go unnoticed. Your early mornings and long, tiring days can't be easy. But I'm thinking of you. Love, Marianne. I can't tell you what that meant to me. I treasured it then, and I treasure it now. I don't have my birthday cards from 20 years ago, but I have this. This was a spontaneous expression of love and appreciation. And I treasure it now. I don't treasure the cost, £2.50, of buying the card. I don't treasure the act of going to the shop and purchasing it. What I treasure is that it expresses something of our relationship. It's spontaneous, it's practical, it's deep. And I am touched by my daughter's love. And I'm proud of her actions. Fourteen is a difficult age to be a girl or a boy. But somehow she was reflecting my values, our values. She wasn't doing my will in that sense. But she had learnt, I hope, from us and was responding in kind. As a father, my heart swells with pride at what a 14-year-old daughter could do. And that, to me, speaks of how God wants our relationship to be. And it speaks to me about what this prayer is essentially all about, a treasured relationship. Are you able to pray that prayer? Lord, I want you to be my treasure. I want you to be my father. I want to love you and put you first. And I want to be proud of the way that, you, that I joyfully and willingly go about making your kingdom come in my life. As we pray the Lord's Prayer, may that deepen our love and our relationship with God our Father. Amen. Thank you, Nigel. Let's uh, turn to prayer now, shall we?